I can recognize that on some level, I felt guilty because I knew it was hard for him that I was having this success. And anytime I would describe that to people, I'd be like, you know, he left this huge job and he gave up everything. And someone finally stopped me, a much older woman, like a grandma, and she said, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Welcome to How To. I'm Charles Duhigg. Charles? No. Hi, how you doing? Good, good. How are you guys? Living the dream, brother. We have invoked your name publicly so many times. Ten I feel like Beetlejuice <laughs> should yes. jump out of these microphones. Yes. This is Dave and Rachel Hollis. And Dave was a successful executive at Disney for 17 years, where he helped put all those enormous box office hits from like Pixar and Marvel into theaters around the world. It didn't take a ton of work necessarily to convince a theater to take a Star Wars or Avengers. But if you have heard of Rachel and Dave Hollis, it is probably not because of Dave. It's because two years ago, his wife, Rachel, wrote a book called Girl, Wash Your Face, which became one of the top-selling books in the nation. And then she wrote another book, Girl, Stop Apologizing, and that became this enormous hit too. Probably the first 13 years of our marriage, I was Dave Hollis's wife, and then something flipped, and Dave Hollis became Rachel Hollis's husband. Today, Dave isn't at Disney anymore. He, he quit so he could manage the growing empire of Rachel's books and podcasts and personal development conferences under the Hollis Company banner. But he did that before he and Rachel knew if it made any financial sense for him to leave his job. And, and since then, Rachel and Dave have moved to Austin, Texas, with their four kids, which also happens to be where this week's listener lives. Hey, this is Andy. Andy is a woodworker by day, and he plays drums in a punk band and a doom metal band by night. Uh, the punk band's called Bad Dad, and the heavy metal band's called Thunderkeef. And on weekends, he plays unicycle football, which is apparently a thing. Andy is the kind of guy who, when you hear the motto, keep Austin weird, that's basically Andy they're talking about. And he would agree. So it's hard for him to imagine ever leaving Austin. Which is why, unbeknownst to his girlfriend, Cassie, he reached out to us. Uh, well, I'm dating this girl that I've been dating for a little over a year. And uh, she recently decided she wants to go to vet school. And uh, she's been applying to a bunch of different schools that are out of state. It kind of put me in a weird position being with this girl that I love and potentially having to move and leave my particularly good job and all my friends and all of my family for the first time in my life. You've been living in, in Austin for how long now? 32 years. 32 years. So and if you were to pick up and move to follow her to vet school in another state, like how big a deal is that for you? Well, I mean, it, it is it is the deal, you know. Andy's girlfriend, Cassie, wants to go to vet school so she can launch the next phase of her career. And so Andy has to decide... Is he ready to leave Austin and everything he knows to put his girlfriend first? Is he ready to put his life on hold and take a risk to support her? Dave and Rachel Hollis know a little bit about that. And we'll see if they can help after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. 
Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and everyday people about why we do the things we do. Listen to Choiceology at schwab.com slash podcast or wherever you listen. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. We're back with Dave and Rachel Hollis, who have been listening in as Andy has been describing his question. Should he leave his job and his life in Austin, Texas to support his girlfriend's career? Rachel thinks it's actually a pretty easy choice. I want to give you 50,000 pieces of advice, but the core is like, what matters most? What matters most is the person that you link arms with and you say, you are the one that I want with me in the bunker. Like, you're the one I want with me in the foxhole. You are the one that I want to face this life with. You can absolutely find new jobs. You can find new community. You are going to still be in community with the people who live here, who you know and love. But the bottom line is, you can't find another Cassie. But that doesn't mean that the nuts and bolts of this choice, how you move, how you frame this decision in your own head so that you don't become resentful, how you build a new life when you're making real sacrifices for someone else, it it doesn't mean that those things aren't still hard to deal with. I mean, Dave and Rachel, let me ask you guys, take me back and, and paint the picture for me of that moment, Dave, when you guys are having a conversation and you're deciding, actually, I should give up a career that I've worked 17 years for. I'm at the top of this career. Like, what is going on? Paint that picture for me of how you make a decision to say, nope, I'm going to throw it all away and support my wife's career. Oh, man. It's it's <laughs> it's such a different set of circumstances yeah. because I had been in something that was very comfortable for me for a very long time. And interestingly, the comfort was actually a thing that was introducing an underfulfillment in my life that in order for me to do something to undo that feeling, I had to push myself into something that was not comfortable, that would force me to grow. And so I left a very conventional entertainment job where I, for 17 years at the end, was running sales at the Walt Disney Company's distribution of movies at the studio and uh, and came here to do this work with Rachel and had to do it against every instinct I had and, frankly, the opinions of every human being who thought they understood what was best for me. And at the time, I was – I had gone through a really um, – long journey with pretty severe anxiety. And so I start to truly change my life. And I am, with every month that passes, just getting better and better, living more joyfully, like all the things. So now you have this partner who's really, for a long time, has been stagnant, really stuck. And now he's starting to get worse because he's unhappy with his job but feels like he should be happy because it's this thing that everybody admires. And I'm over here like, 
truly living my best life. And so that that tension between me sort of on the upswing and Dave really feel like he was going downhill kept making it worse and worse. And just straight talk, it manifested through alcohol. Yeah. So lots of drinking. Yeah, too much drinking. I would drink rather than deal Mm -hmm. because if I could just mute it, if I could just push it down, well, then it doesn't really exist, except, of course, it was festering and turning into something that was putting our marriage at risk and making my kids a thing that maybe wouldn't be proud of me one day. And so I have to make a radical change in my life, even one that doesn't make sense to everyone. I need to move to disrupt the things that I know for the things that I need. And boy, like the last year and a half, again, it's been super turbulent. Andy, let me ask, does any of this sound familiar to you? Does it feel like this is similar to what you're like working through or thinking about right now? Uh, I mean, yeah, for sure. Mm. Which is part of the reason why I decided to write you that email. You know, I need to start making the changes that are going to push things forward instead of letting Cassie make her life and me just kind of follow along. uh, I need to be obviously be part of this. Yeah. 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 Which is easier to say than to do, you know, it's not easy. So one, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say like, (laughs) Oh, you're going to make this choice and you'll be with Cassie. So it's rainbows and unicorns. Cause like, it's (laughs) just not going to be, but I got this tattoo at the beginning of this journey that has been something I have to look at to remind myself of every day of it. A ship is safe in harbor, but that's not what ships were built for. And I got it because I was choosing at the time to leave this harbor that was to anyone that you would ask. The thing that you stay anchored to, the rope's tied, you don't leave because it's safe there. But I'm not built for that safety. I'm built to be out on these choppy waters. And part of why you're sitting here, despite your certainty with Cassie, is the wonder of what the choppy waters are going to feel oh, like. yeah, for sure. Right? Mm-hmm. And so here's the first big rule. And this is a rule anytime anyone is contemplating making a big change. Accept that it is going to feel scary. That you're not going to be certain if this is the right thing to do. But don't let that scary doubt keep you from making the decision. Just because you're worried, that doesn't mean you're making a bad choice. It just means you're wise enough to know what you're getting yourself into. And you are built to do hard things. Can I ask, what it, what is the biggest fear in a scenario where you decide to go that you think might unfold? I don't, I don't even think it's a specific fear like that. I think that I'm just generally hesitant to change things that have all been kind of working in my favor for the past however long. Like let's say let's say you move to another state and and you're you're forecasting a year into the future after the move. What's the worst case scenario that you think happens? Well, you know, as it is now, Cass and I live together, but I have friends and band practice and work, so I have a lot of buffers between us. So we do spend a lot of time together, but I wouldn't say it's as much time as we would be spending if we were living together in another state and I had to you know, get my friend my new friends and work and stuff together we're going to be spending a hell of a lot of time together yeah that's yeah. real and i think we spend gonna, a lot of time together yeah, that is do. a good thing to be on the lookout <laughs> for i'm afraid that we're going to drive each other nuts <laughs> yeah and, and you probably will this is something that rachel and dave have thought about a lot because they themselves recently moved and rachel wanted to make sure that she had other social options that, that she knew where she was going to make new friends before they arrived 
I really, through social media, got dialed into the community before I ever came here. So I knew where I was going to go to the gym. I knew where, like, basically the things that are valuable to me, I had established that through hashtags. Like, I literally just started following hashtags, and I knew what I was going to do. Like, I set it up so that we hit the ground running instead of, like, the culture shock of, like, oh, God, we're here, now what? And this leads us to the next rule. Moving to a new place, particularly when you're moving there for another person, they can be huge and scary. And if you're not careful, it can cause resentment. So you have to do some work ahead of time. You have to do some research in advance and get to know the lay of the land so that you know that you're making this move not just for someone else, but for you. You have to figure out why you want this, why you should be excited beyond just supporting your partner. I'll say this too, because I don't, and I don't know if there's any of this that you will relate with, but if this decision is one that you feel like uh, in any way will be made for you, if you feel like you have to do this or that you do this out of an obligation or out of wanting to show loyalty, but not truly because of it being a thing that you feel driven to do, you will feel like it was being foisted upon you a thing that you did not choose, and then you will not choose it. Let's say let's say you decide to move with Cassie, and let's say it's a year in the future, and, and let's say things are going well with the relationship. You guys are together. You're driving each other a little bit crazy, right? Because you're in a new place. You're hanging out all the time. But right. she's the same basic person that she is today. And let's say nothing else works out. Like you try and you try and get your woodworking business off the ground and then you're finding that you can only get worse jobs than you got in Austin. You want to find a new band and you just don't click with anyone and you're in a place that's cold and there's no good breweries around. <laughs> like put yourself in that headspace. Do you feel like you still made the right choice or do you think that it might be a mistake? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I love Cassie a lot. And so I'd be willing to put up with you know, a situation like that for an extended period of time. But yeah, I feel like I'd probably feel like it was a bad decision in the long run. But then you could just move back. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, we've talked about doing the long distance thing. It was her idea, her moving and me staying here. And I feel like it would work, but I don't know for how long. Yeah, I think, you know, everybody tends to think when they're trying to make a big decision, that this is the end-all be-all, like that they have to know the answer to the rest of their life right now. And the reality is you could choose to do this thing and one or both of you could be like, well, holy crap, that didn't work. And then you would make <laughs> another choice. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't work, then you make another choice. And it, you just, nothing that you're going to choose is like it forever. This is the next rule, and this is true of all big decisions. Our instinct is often to see a big choice as something that's binary, that it's either going to result in something that's good or in something that's bad. And so we tend to overinvest it with all these consequences. But the truth is, you can always adjust a choice once it's made. And what studies show is that over time, our happiness tends to be shaped much more by those small secondary choices, the adjustment choices we make, than by the big decision that, when you confront it, seems so important at the time. And why do we treat some decisions like they're so important? Usually it's just because of how the people around us react. 
And, and Dave, I'm wondering, tell me a little bit more. Like, how did your colleagues react when you started telling them, I think I'm going to quit Disney to go help my wife out? Oh, that was funny. That was a funny time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, most of them thought that I had lost my mind. Absolutely. I mean, my immediate boss said, are you sure? Like he wanted to really like rationally understand my decision-making process. And once I had kind of walked him through, now this is really where I'm at emotionally, as much as you may not appreciate how unhappy I've been. And I have to do this for me and for the future of our family. And don't worry about us. Like this is going to be a successful thing. His boss asked a question. He He's happens to be in his 70s, and, and, and he was very worried about us financially. Like, <laughs> Can women make money? I, <laughs> I don't. How will that work? I can, like, almost like my decision to do something that challenged the box inside of which they'd created value and order was being threatened by my having suggested that it didn't have the value they'd assigned to it. As said another way, <laughs> if you make this decision— and you have friends or family in your life, Andy, who are also very comfortable and set in their ways, out of fear or not understanding, they will talk negatively about the decision that you're considering or making because it challenges what they believe about their own life. Mm -hmm. Well, I think shoot, that's right. if, if Andy can pick up and move and I never did, what does that m say about me? Right. A Andy, how, how driven is Cassie? Like, let's say you said to her, I love you. I want to marry you. I don't want to leave Austin. I don't think you should go to vet school. What would uh, she say? She would probably still go to vet school. Yeah, good girl. <laughs> yeah. No, well, nobody, honestly, male or female, nobody should be with anybody that would try and um, destroy your dream because it doesn't fit with theirs. Right. If you are listening to this right now and you have someone in your life who would literally say like, no, don't screw you, dude. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't, uh, nobody else gets to have control of your dream. And too many people allow someone else's fear and insecurity to keep them from becoming who they might have been. When I received the printed out on paper binder clipped version of Grow Wash Your Face, this book that has been a catalyst for so much of the good that we've been able to do in this company, I, with a hundred percent certainty, told Rachel that it was too transparent and too vulnerable, told too many stories that she should not publish the book. Four million copies later, right? Thousands and thousands and thousands of letters later from people who've found in her sharing honestly stories that I did not want her to share. They, through that empathy, felt like they weren't alone and could take control of their life, right? What did I know, right? And so if Cassie's got this dream, then God, you got to find a way to support it. But like, if it also, you know, supporting her dream means that you'd have to kill your own, that's, that's also, not okay. that's also that's, not a yeah, thing that's no, okay I, either, right? And let me, let me ask you, Andy, is your relationship with Cassie, how does it compare to your other relationships before her? Is it, is it different? Uh, I would say so. Yeah, for sure. Um, my past dating history is funny at best. <laughs> uh, I dated three girls named Amber in a row. No. <laughs> um, oh, that's good. No, you know, I've, I've had a handful of relationships that pretty much all ended pretty poorly. And uh, the funny thing is every single one of them, I could see it from a mile away. And I think this is the first time I've ever been with somebody where I can really feel comfortable and I can, like, you know, express myself and talk to her about really anything. It's, it's something I've never really had before. 
which makes this choice that Andy is confronting both easier and more difficult at the same time. When we come back, we'll try to figure out his next steps. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like, can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs? The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com slash podcast, or find it wherever you listen. We're back with Andy and with Dave and Rachel Hollis. Andy says his girlfriend Cassie hasn't decided where she's going to vet school yet, but one of the top contenders is the Ohio State University in Columbus, which actually someone once described to me as the Austin of the Midwest. So you need then to cast a vision of what this is going to look like. We're going to go to Columbus and, hey, we've already checked and we actually found in every community, doesn't matter where they are, there's a small pocket of people who are just like us. And so we're going to intentionally move in this really cool up-and-coming neighborhood. And the next step, says Rachel, if you really want to figure out how to make this move something that pushes your relationship forward, is that Andy and Cassie need to have an honest conversation. Dave always says people only get upset when they're surprised. So if she thinks we're going to commit to doing this, we're getting engaged within the first three months because we're moving to a new city together. And you think, hey, this next 18 months is going to be the real test on whether or not this is it forever. You're misaligned. Right. And you're both going to be frustrated. Before, Dave, you left your job or before you moved, did you sit down and say like, okay, this is how like roles and responsibilities and like how we are together changes? Oh, yeah. yeah. We had never worked together before. So we just one thing that we committed to working together and also, you know, spending a crap ton of time together. And so we committed like more hardcore than ever. We are going to be we are going to communicate if something feels weird. No more keeping it to yourself. Radical Radical candor. You have to tell each other. We commit to working things out in real time instead of letting things fester because there's the question of like taking a backseat to uh, your wife's career, your girlfriend's career, there's no backseat. This is a two-seater car. Mm -hmm. There's no backseat because I don't know anybody in relationship who is successful without the support of their partner. Right. And this is an important point because ultimately, if Andy is focused on the sacrifices he's making instead of what he and Cassie are building together, it's going to be hard to achieve that radical candor. So for years, years and years and years, I've always worked as long as we've been together. It was just that my work wasn't successful. And for years, I was support, a support to my husband, not just with, you know, taking care of what was happening at home or, or raising our children while being a working mom, but also just his hype squad and pumping him up in the same way that I'm sure you will with her while she's in school. And like, none of us can do this alone. There's no such thing as self-made. So in some ways, the most important thing for Andy is seeing the situation for what it really is. A relationship with Cassie that 
by moving to a new city is genuinely becoming a partnership of equals. This is not you taking a back seat. And what's what's interesting, I do, I get gender roles and I get what society would have men believe about who they are, but man, women have been freaking doing this since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. Forever yeah. we have been the ones who have been supporting the, per that's, that's what we were told we were supposed to aspire to. And for me to not, like the years that I barely survived in my company or that I, I was breaking even or losing money, I carried so much shame, like as much shame as any man about the fact that I couldn't contribute. Even though right. we didn't like quote unquote need it, what kind of mom would work if she doesn't have to? Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know. I've watched my husband grapple with this over the last couple of years. And one thing I can tell you that absolutely was something that threw him off was when I surpassed the place financially where I, quote unquote, I didn't need him financially was mm -hmm. really messed with his head. That's because, interesting. Because huh. that was always the nature of our relationship. And he had to walk through this journey of if you don't need me, will you still want me? And I was like, my God, the fact that we choose each other, we are choosing this relationship, even if there's no finances associated with it, I think is the most healthy, beautiful relationship that you could have. And so the way that you frame this in your mind will absolutely affect the way that you receive this as like an opportunity, an adventure, something fun, something exciting, or something negative. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree a hundred percent because I do think that like the way that we frame this in our heads is: Am I taking a back seat, or am I am I finding a new seat right next to you? It's a yes. different seat than I had previously, and it's a different seat than I might have thought I was going to have. But we are in this together. That's really what a relationship is, yes. right? In any romantic relationship, there are going to be seasons. And maybe this is a season right now where you're showing out for her because this is her dream and you want to love on her and you want to be in partnership with this woman. And when she gets through school, she has all that vet money, right? Maybe that's the season you're building your small business because now the financial, you know, we, we, this is what partnership looks like. I don't believe in a leader. I believe that partnership is two people choosing to do life together. And sometimes you're the captain. <laughs> Sometimes you're the navigator. Sometimes you're the hype squad. It just looks like different things at different times. I think I've been mainly thinking about stuff from her point of view and her needs being met and her future. But I realize that I've kind of been shorthanding myself and spending a lot of time thinking about all of these things that go terribly wrong for me and her. I need to start thinking about the way that things can go terribly right for me. Absolutely. I truly, truly believe, hear this, I do not think you can make a bad decision. I 100% believe that this is a gift, this choice that you are having to make, and that no matter what choice you make to try and have a long-distance relationship or following her, as long as you look for the signs of how this choice is for you, you will find them. 
there's so much possibility. There's not a woodworking community, go freaking make one. Right. Maybe there's not one because you're supposed to roll into town on your unicycle <laughs> and be the person who who puts that on the map or takes what you know how to do here and brings it to a community that doesn't have it. Maybe you're starting the Unicycle Football League of Columbus, Ohio, dude. Yeah. Like maybe there's a reason. You're the commissioner. You are the commissioner. <laughs> you don't even know. Like there's so you we look at this and go, gosh, what is what am I going to find? It's like, now what am I going to bring? Right. Totally agree. Um, so I'll just say Dave Hollis actually has to take our children on a flight to his mother's house right now. Trust me if I had a choice as to what I was going to do with the next but five hours of my life. He has to go life. get on a plane with a two-year-old right now. I picked the wrong year to stop drinking. Thanks to Andy and Austin for sharing his story with us. And to Dave and Rachel Hollis for pulling back the curtain on their marriage and telling us about their journey. You should definitely check out their podcasts, including Rise and Rise Together. And their many books, including Dave's upcoming book, Get Out of Your Own Way. And a quick update from Andy. After our conversation, he wrote to us to say that he and Cassie had talked it over and they had agreed that it is time to, quote, stir the pot and move together to wherever the next step in her career takes them. Good luck. Do you have a problem that needs solving? Send us a note at howtoatslate.com and we might be able to help. And if you like today's episode, you might like another episode we did called How to Decide Whether to Have a Baby, featuring Cheryl Strayed, the author of Dear Sugar and Wild. You can find that in all of our episodes anytime you want in our feed, online, or wherever you get your podcasts. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rachel Allen is our production assistant, and Merritt Jacob is our engineer. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown. June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts, and Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Special thanks to Asha Saluja and Sung Park. I'm Charles Duhigg. Thanks for listening.